You are listening to the Murray Hills Church Podcast. To learn more about Murray Hills Church, including our gathering times and how to connect with us, visit us online at murrayhills.com. You know, when as parents, we like to uh, give our kids a lot of life experiences. Like while our kids are in our house, we want to give them as much life experience as we can to make them, you know, well-rounded individuals and grant them chances at future success. And so as they're young, we're already thinking about the things we want them to experience. Like we want them to play Little League Baseball or we want them to take piano lessons or whatever. You know, we're thinking about here, we want them to go visit these places, whatever. And when they're young, we tend to think we're pretty good at it. So like when they're toddlers or elementary age, we're like, you know, I'm giving my kids a lot of good experiences, things that I didn't get to do as a child. I'm teaching them. I'm training them up in the way that they should go, and we think we're pretty good at it. Uh, When they get older, we discover how bad we were at it, (laughs) and that's because they're old enough to tell us, like, you never did this, and you never did this. I had two instances of that this last week. The first one was Tuesday night, and uh, we were going frog gigging Tuesday night, so myself and Chandler and uh, Jackson, which is my neighbors, and I got to give a shout out to Chandler because I know he's watching this morning. But uh, we were going frog gigging, and so we were putting all the plans together. And you know, I, had, I was getting my flashlights and boots and all that kind of stuff. It was about nine o'clock at night, and Roman was asking to go, and we're like, "No, you're not old enough. I mean, it's just the big guys going right now." But Lily, my 21-year-old, said just casually, just the offhanded comment, "You know, I've never been frog gigging." And it, it just, it hurt me right there to hear that from my 21. I was like, who was your daddy? Why have you never been fraught? Wait a minute. And I stopped and I apologized to Lily for this you know, neglect of parental responsibility because how is she going to be a successful adult without this necessary life skill? And I was like, we're going to fix that this summer. So we got to go back. I hadn't been frogging in 20-something years, but I was like, we're going to fix it. I'm getting into it. Um, the second one, though, was Hallie, my 18-year-old. And we had been fishing. So you're going to eat frog legs. you got to have some fish to go with it. So we'd, we went and floated the Buffalo River. And uh, Chandler was with us then, too. We were coming back. And we passed by a church. It was in Mount Pleasant. And they were advertising their VBS. And Hallie, my 18-year-old, said casually, offhand, You know, I've never been to a VBS. What? What, I mean, I'm like, so like, what do you, you've never been, seriously, you've never been to a VBS. Why not? What happened? Who are your parents? Like, why did they not allow you to experience VBS? And she was like, ah, it's okay. I think it's kind of weird anyway. And so I was off the hook on that one. But the reason I bring it up is because this text today, you can see what the text is. This is the very end of the Sermon on the Mount. This is the wise, the wise man built his house upon the rock, and the foolish man built his house upon the sand. And the rains came down and the floods came up. So Hallie, the reason I bring that up is because Hallie has a fundamental different reading of this text than I do. Because she's never been to VBS. And if you've been to VBS, you know what I'm talking about. I'm curious, just to show a hand. How many of you are like my 18-year-old? You've never been to a VBS. Quick, quick show of hands. Never been to a VBS. See, yeah, yeah. So now I'm making her feel real bad because there's just a few of us that have never been to VBS. What about frog gigging? How many, who's never been frog gigging? Wow. Okay. We got to work on that too. That's a, that's a doctrinal issue there we got to fix. Uh, that, that has nothing to do with the sermon. I was just curious. 
But the, the reason I say that is because if you've been to VBS, when you read this story, what do you think of? The song, right? The wise man built, the wise man built his house upon the rock. We're not going to do the whole song. But some of you are starting to do the motions. Wise man built his house. I can never read this passage without hearing that song. Never again, the rest of my life, I'll never be able to read that passage without hearing that song. And it's largely, it's because of Yogi Spears and the Lomax Church of Christ. And we weren't members at Lomax Church of Christ, but mom's not going to give up a free week of babysitting. So we went to the Lomax Church of Christ VBS, and, and Yogi Spears led the song. And the, the end of the song, the foolish man's house goes splat, and there was a stage about this high, and Yogi would fall off and go splat, and the whole place would erupt and go crazy. So every time I read this text, I, I hear that VBS song, and I see Yogi Spears falling flat. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's not necessarily a bad thing because the advice that Jesus gives here in this text is really, really strong. And I have, we've all seen people, maybe we've been those people, who have failed to heed this advice that Jesus gives in this text. And their lives or their marriages or their houses or their careers or their reputations have crumbled. And um, in much more tragic ways than, than Yogi Spears falling off a stage. We've also seen people, or maybe we've been those people, where they've built their life upon a strong foundation. And uh, they've been able to endure some of those things. Like the, when those storms come, and the storms are coming, they've been able to, to endure those things. And so they've been able, because their, the life, their life was built upon uh, the rock. So we're going we're gonna to read this text together. And... Um, we're going to see what we can learn because it's a very simple story with a profound point. So let's read it starting in verse 24. Therefore, and this is Jesus' conclusion to the sermon. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. And that's Jesus speaking. And then here's Matthew inserting himself back as the narrator. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowd were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Jesus has just given, in the Sermon on the Mount, what will, I think, become known as probably the greatest body of teaching concerning ethics, uh, morals, and Christian character. Not just for Christians. So for, for Christians, we obviously had a lot of uh, uh, admiration, reverence for the, the Sermon on the Mount. But if you think about the, just the way that it has it has slipped into modern culture, regardless of, of Christian belief. I mean, there's so many phrases and so many teachings there that are, that are very familiar. So this is like the greatest sermon ever that Jesus has given, the gold standard for believers. And he ends the sermon by calling for action. So he ends the sermon by saying, you, you now you have to make a choice. You know, I've, I've given you these teachings on anger and on um, you know, love for your enemies and on judgment and on prayer and giving and influence and the Beatitudes and worry and all of these, these teachings. And now you have a choice. You can choose to hear these words and put them into practice. Or you can choose to hear these words and not put them into practice. 
And what you do with that choice determines the strength of your foundation. And we all know how important the foundation is. That determines the foundation of your life. And it's really all about obedience. And it it goes along. At the end of this sermon, he gives like four different comparisons here. He talks about the narrow and wide gates. He talks about the true and false prophets. He talks about true and false disciples. And then he talks about wise and foolish builders. And in each case... the crux of the matter is obedience is what he's hitting at. Now, we've kind of taken obedience and flipped it around on its head, and I'll talk about that here in just a second. But um, I want to talk about the importance of a foundation first because we know this, but we don't always pay as much attention to it as we should. Uh, we tend to pay more attention to the externals, you know. The, 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 but it's really the foundation that matters more than the externals or what everybody thinks about us or what we look like to everybody else. and that kind of, We tend to manage that part of our lives much more than we manage the foundation of our lives when it's the foundation that's much more important. So um, just a quick analogy because it's the same one Jesus used, just a little bit different version of it. Uh, when I am bored sometimes at night, I will get online and start looking at real estate. I'm not in the market for a house right now uh, because... I can, I'd love to sell mine, but I can't afford to buy another one. So, because if you sell it, then you got to buy one. And there's, you know, everybody knows the housing market's just crazy right now. So it's, you know, it's like red hot. So as soon as something goes up for sale, people are making multiple offers on it, and it's above asking price and all that. So it's just interesting to me to kind of look at. So I'll, I'll look up Zillow or what, some of the, you know, some of the realtors, and I'll just look up, just see what's out there for sale, just for the fun of it. And several, several months ago, I ran across this house. It was, it was a beautiful house. And it was on this beautiful farm, and it was a super, super nice house. And I'm like, this thing ain't going to last 12 hours. You know, this thing, this thing's not going to last. And um, two or three days later, I was looking at it, and it's still there. And, oh, okay, well, it's, um, just nobody's got it yet. And a few weeks after that, I had signed on, and, you know, it's still there. And uh, that's kind of weird, you know, because it, these things are moving. And um, several months, like this is, it just kept coming up. Every time I'd get online and start looking at, at real estate, it, it, was, it was coming up. And like months and months had passed. And it's a beautiful house, and it's priced reasonably. It's this beautiful farm. I'm like, why is this thing not selling? And I said, one night I was looking at it, and I said to Jenny, I was like, what is the matter with this house? You know, like, why is this thing not selling? And I flipped around and looked at it, and she goes, what's the address? And I told her the address. She goes, oh, I think it's got foundation problems. And I, oh, I, I suddenly understood. I absolutely understood. Because everybody knows, like, you don't want to buy a home with foundation problems. Because if you've got foundation problems, that, those are serious problems. You can buy a home that you don't like the siding because you can fix that. You can buy a home that you don't like the way the carpet looks because you can fix that. You can address that. And you can fix foundation problems. It's just it's very costly to fix. But you know you can't ignore it. So if a home's got a foundation problem, the reason it takes so long for it to sell is because you know you can't ignore that foundation problem. You have got to fix it because if you don't fix it, it will eventually cost you more than just money. It will eventually cost you. And you see the analogy. In our lives, when there is a foundation problem, you can't ignore it. You have to address that problem. Because if you don't, if you continue to ignore it, it will eventually cost you now I wrote this this message early in the week and I can't remember I'm not keeping up with the news as much as I I normally do right now I'm trying to step back just a little bit but uh, I did start reading articles about what happened in Florida with the the condo or the apartment complex that collapsed 
And the article that I'd read last night, I'd written this, th that analogy before I even read about that, but the article I read last night was about the repeated warning signs that a structural engineer had given and had looked at it and said, you've got foundation problems. Like there, there's, a, there's some major problems that have developed here in this foundation and it's tragic tragic what happened i don't know whose fault it was or you know that i don't know who ignored it or whatever but somebody pointed out there's a problem here and it was ignored and in our lives we have seen examples of people's lives we've seen plenty of this with like high profile pastors or we've seen it with politicians or ceos or just everyday people that their lives suddenly collapse or, or they're, they're, you know, they're, they, they suffer this tragic fall from grace, if you will. I don't know why we call it that. But they suffer this tragic fall, you know. And to those of us on the outside looking at it, we're like, it, it's, it's a total shock. Like, where did that come from? My goodness, that just came out of nowhere. That completely came out of nowhere. But those on the inside could say, oh, no. No, there's been, there's been some foundation problems here for years. There's been some integrity issues here for years. There's been some ethics problem here for years. There's been, there's been I mean, like they, they could point out like, no, there's been issues. They've just ignored those issues. And that's why this is so, so important. And we're really talking about the basics of our faith and the basics of our life. The thing I like about the Sermon on the Mount is the Sermon on the Mount just, just shoots straight. I mean, it's like, what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to build a big, strong foundation on Jesus? What does that look like? Well, in the past, I would have said, well, it looks like doctrinal correctness. You know, that's what it, when Jesus talks about the narrow and the wide gate, he's talking about doctrinal correctness. You know, he's talking about what denomination you're in. No, he's not. I don't think he's talking about doctrinal correctness or political correctness or any of that. I think he's talking about some of these real basic things that, that he talks in the Sermon on the Mount, like be kind, be humble, be authentic, don't make a big show out of your faith, keep your vows, let your yes be yes and your no be no, um, you know, be spiritual, but don't make a show out of it. Don't be judgmental. Trust God. Ask, seek not. Like all of these are just like foundational principles of what it would take. Like if you were going, going back to your kids, the life experiences that you want your kids to have so that they build a strong foundation, what are the things that you would tell your kids? Hey, here's the things you're going to need to build a strong foundation in your life, in your relationships, in your career. You would talk to them about integrity. You would talk to them about authenticity. You would talk to them about their, their moral character. You would talk to them about um, not being egotistic, like not, not being arrogant. You would talk to them about them about being faithful to commitments that they make. All these things that Jesus talks about in the Sermon on the Mount. Those are the things. And Jesus is saying, like, if you want to build a strong foundation, number one, build it on the rock, which is a, a metaphor used throughout Scripture for God or Christ. So number one, build it on the rock. And the way you build it on the rock is by obeying the teachings of Jesus, the teachings that he's just given. And throughout this, this comparison contrast at the end of the sermon, Jesus has done this throughout the sermon. He begins the sermon by comparing and contrasting his teaching to the religious establishment. And he says, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the religious establishment, which was the Pharisees and teachers law, unless it surpasses that, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. Not talking about whether or not you get to go to heaven, but talking about whether or not you're going to allow God to rule and reign in your heart. Because see, when we're kind, we allow God to rule and reign in our heart. When we're loving, even towards our enemies, we allow God to rule and reign in our heart. When we're humble, we allow God to rule and reign in our heart. When we trust, we allow God to rule and reign in our heart. 
All, all these things, that's what Jesus is talking about. Like, are you going to allow God to rule and reign in your heart? And the way you do that is by obeying uh, my teaching. And then he gives these, these seriousness of compare and contrast. And the way I kind of broke it down this week as, as I was thinking about it was, like, that's the choice we constantly have to make. And so at the end of the message, he's saying, you've got a choice to make. Are you going to build your house on the rock or the, or the sand? That's, that's your choice. And, but how do I do that? You do it one decision at a time, one day at a time, one week at a time. You fall and you mess up, and you just start rebuilding it again. And, and, and it just, it, you know, it's, we are constant works in progress. But it's a series of decisions to build. So it's not as simple as going, you know, do you build your house on the rock or the sand? The rock. I choose rock. It, that's, not how, that's not how life goes. It's, it's like you're constantly trying to decide how you do that. And for example, say somebody wrongs you. Somebody hurts you. Um, somebody insults you. And how do we want to respond? We got a choice there. Do, do we retaliate or do we turn the other cheek? Right? We got a choice. When somebody wrongs us, my, our, our gut response is, I'm going to wrong them to the same extent that they wronged me. Or I'm going to hurt them to the same extent that they hurt me. Or, sadly, I'm going to hurt other people to the same extent that somebody else hurt me. But I'm going to insult them. I'm going to get back at them in some way. I'm going to make them pay. And we come up with, in our head, all these ways we're going to make them pay. And we draft those emails. Or we, we think about posting something on social or whatever. Like, we're going to get them back. And Jesus says, a better approach is to turn the other cheek. A better approach is if you're, somebody asks you to go one mile, go two miles. A better approach is to treat people in the way that you want to be treated. That's, that's the path Jesus is asking us to take. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Or, this one's even more fun, say someone is wrong. It's not that they wronged us, they're just wrong. Like what they're doing is wrong. And they're being hypocritical about it because what they're posting on social media, that ain't really how they are. And, and what they said to her and how they're acting in front of the pastor, that ain't really how they are. And I know they're wrong, and, and we talk about it. Like when somebody's wrong, that's what we do. We usually don't call them on it. What we usually do is spend a lot of time talking about it. Like, can you believe they do? Can you believe this? Can you believe this? And Jesus says, there's a better way to go about that. The better way is this. Take the plank out of your own eye first, and then you can see clearly to remove the speck of sawdust from your brother's eye. Judge other people with the same amount of judgment that you want to be judged. This is where treat, treat others in the way that you want to be treated comes back in as well. Judge not lest you be judged. Or you flip that around and say, say you do something good. <laughs> like, I, I've done, I, you know, for one, I did something good. Like, I, I wrote that check to that, that ministry, and look what they're doing with it, and I, I want people to know about it, or I, I stopped and helped that guy on the side of the street, and I want people to know about it, and that, man, that's going to be a great Insta post, you know, to put that out there, or I, I did the, you know, like we did something good, and we want people to know about it, and that's our gut reaction is to tell people about it, because it don't count if people don't know about it, right? If you don't get likes and follows out of it, it don't count. And Jesus said, no, 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 there's a better way. Don't let the left hand know what the right hand is doing. So that your giving might be in secret. And then your father who sees what is in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't make a big show out of it. You don't have to do this on the street corner. It doesn't have to be seen by everybody. When you're fasting or you're observing some spiritual discipline, you don't have to like, make sure that everybody knows that you're doing this. When you're, you know, just 
Go into your closet and pray and your, to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Or the worst part of the Sermon on the Mount, that stuff about worry. <laughs> like when, when you get to the part about, you know, when, when we're worried and we're scared, when, when we, there's an uncertain future, what do we try to do? Well, first, we end up talking about that a lot, too. You know, like, oh, goodness, what's going on? This is, you know, we start, so we start getting nervous, and we start talking, and we start fretting. But what we try to do is we either try to control the narrative, or we try to fix things, or we try to, like, we, we take charge. Like, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to take it all. I'm going to take control and do this all by myself. And Jesus says, no, 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 there's a better way to do that. Don't worry about tomorrow, because each day's got enough trouble of its own. Just worry about the day right in front of you. Let tomorrow worry about itself. Just trust God. Ask, and it'll be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and the door will be opened unto you. Just seek first the kingdom of God, and then all these other things will be added unto you as well. I'm, I'm really kind of sad that we're ending the Sermon on the Mount because there's so much in here that I need every day. And when you're preaching through it, it helps me to kind of get hit between the eyes with the text. But um, there's so much about what it means to live a life of faith and what it means to live, a, a, to build our house upon a foundation that is solid. And we will not do it perfectly. And we, there will be mistakes and there will be missteps. But we just keep depending upon God to, to institute these practices in our lives. So um, that's my prayer. And I'm going to close by, by praying that, although I'm going to ask the team to come back out because uh, I, I told you that, well, at the beginning, the, this text always reminds me of a song, you know, like it remi- the VBS song. We're not going to close singing the VBS song. It, it reminded me of another song. And it's a, it's a hymn that we sang at the church where I grew up. And we sang this hymn, and there's since been a chorus that's been added to the hymn, and we now sing it at this church with that new chorus. And uh, it's our prayer. To Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' love and righteousness. I shall not uh, trust, ah, I shouldn't have started quoting that one. I shall not trust the sweetest frame, but holy trust in Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. And that's why we need each other. That'll preach right there too. Let me pray and we're going to close with this song. God, I'm thankful for this teaching. I'm thankful for uh, what we call a sermon. This body of teaching that Jesus did about how to live as citizens in his kingdom. And we live as different We live according to a different kingdom with different standards. We don't get ahead by having the biggest ego. We get ahead by humbling ourselves. We don't get ahead by stepping over people and running over people. We get ahead by being kind. We don't get ahead by retaliating against our enemies or those who persecute us. We get ahead by loving our enemies and praying for those who persecute us. You you give us a counter way to live in this sermon. A different way to go about life. And all of us in this room and all of us online that are watching are people 
who are trying to do that. And we don't do it perfectly, and that's why we need grace. But we also need to remember that we build our lives upon you. We build our lives upon the rock and that our hope is built on nothing less than your love and righteousness. This is our cornerstone. This is our foundation. And so we, we close this service today, God, with this song as our prayer. It's in your name. I pray these things. Amen.